Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast. We are episode 124 today. We got a good one. We got Simone Gordon, the Black Fairy Godmother, joining us today. Yo. Can you see me? Can you see me? I had to change venues. What's good? They, they painted my basement downstairs, so I'm in the bedroom right now. Hey, Ayatollah, what's up, bro? How you doing? Tola, what's up, bro? You in the lab cooking something up? He always cooking something up. He stay with a stay with pots and pans and pings and pongs and <laughs> making melodies over there. Shout out to you, big homie. And How I, you been, bro? I had told to get busy on them turntables, too. That's a fact. That's a fact. Yo, so how your day been? My day was pretty cool. Um, like I said, my contractor came in today and started painting our basement. It's going to come out real nice. I like the color that we picked. Yeah. I had a uh, doctor's appointment that went kind of sort of well. I have to work on some things. Okay. Um, nothing, nothing serious, nothing too crazy. Just a little more monitoring. I think I got comfortable now that I got a kidney. Now I can eat what I want and move how I want. It's like slow down, brother. Slow down. Yeah, I was, I was, I was gonna say that <laughs> point where it's like you, you know, you got you had you had so many restrictions previously. So now you get an open lane. Like yeah, I, I can see how it would be tough to kind of regulate. Yeah. I got this new love for bananas like it ain't nothing outside. Don't you, you need to be monitoring your potassium? Nah, my potassium is good, but, you know, it's it's the other things like, um, what else else that I like? Um, I've always been a big sweet guy, but I don't I don't have anything, no, no sugar issues like that. Mm. But, you know, my, my pressure, it just increased a little bit. Oh. So, and, and when they seen the numbers, it was like, all right, not bad, but I want better. You know what I'm saying? So they asked me to at least record my blood pressures for the next week. Mm-hmm. And if they if they sustain where they are, then we may need to adjust a couple of things. But if they if it does go down, which I'm sure it will because you know, I I've I've been dealing with this so long, I kinda know what rises it. Mm. And what you know, and where it comes from now, um, and Janelle says, "Man, yo, now that you, now that you can eat now, your portion sizes, bro. Like you ain't got to eat like you the last slave right now." <laughs> so, uh, I got, I have to cut it down. You, you could probably see it on my face. I'm a little bit more chubby now. My kidney is working, man. But you know what? This is what's saving me, man. You got um... drink your water. Yeah, well, you know, I keep on on deck a whole. Of it. But yo, you um. What's up, Joe? I see Joe in the build. Real Bronx bread. You got shout you out got, to hometown right there. You got cleared the exercise yet? Yeah, I'm clear the exercise. So, because the weather's been so crazy, I think it was me. One or two days, I was out in the backyard throwing a couple up just to kind of get see where I'm at laterally. Can I dip? Can I spin? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can I? You know what I mean? Can I use the backboard? Can I? You know what I mean? I like. Let me take my time. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull out the rope. But the weather's just been so un. You just can't. You know. You just can't. Shout out to you, big homie. 
you, you can't call it. One minute, yeah. one minute is seventy, then it's fifty, and then at night it's thirty. Then it go back up to sixty. You really can't gauge it, even though. And, and, and be honest with you, that kind of weather, I've played balling. You know what I'm saying? Damn. I played balling in that type of temperature. So, mm. um, so yeah, that that. So I went had my doctor's appointment today, which was cool. Um, my contract is doing its thing. It's not not much is going on. It's still same old stuff. What's up, Z? Yo, what up, man? What's good? Why are you sitting in the dark? I'm adjusting my light real quick. Let me see. Um, the light is at the. You think yeah, I was in front of your face, not behind you? I was trying to do this too, yo. Since I'm in the room, I was gonna sit with the backdrop, but it made it, it made my face dark, so I had to turn this way, man. So I don't want to. Yes, sir, Tola. That's right, bro. Stay healthy, man. You know what I'm saying? And that's the reason why you should go to the doctor. Get get yourself checked out. You know, if you don't have, um, you know, blood pressure cuff and things like that. What's up, Doctor Wade? I see you. Yo, Doctor Wade, I'm a. I might reach out to you, man. Invite you to the show. You know, I, I did some research on you. I asked a couple of couple of people in the in the wire in the wire out there. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, I think she's a great candidate, Doctor Wade. Read with Doctor Wade. I think that might be one of our, one of our guests at some point. Hey, but, I'm um, surprised you didn't get on me for, for cutting off my, my 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 mustache and my beard, yo. Nah, son, you look like a total different person. <laughs> <laughs> Baby face Finster. What made you, you know what I'm Hmm? What made you decide to do that? Who you hiding from? Nah, nobody. I just uh decided to, you know, just I got I got had some a lot of grades coming in, man. Uh, but you hide so your grades? Bro. I mean temporary temporarily. Temporarily. How come joints fly, son? Huh? I am. I'm I'm thinking cause uh I'm thinking I'm a uh Yeah, you you know what? You're right, Rob. I'ma just I'ma just let it I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it do its thing. I know what you're doing. You're chasing them young girls. You don't want to throw them off like he old, uh -huh. dude, son. He old, he old head. What they say after they call us old head. You an old head, son. Man, nah, nah, I'm an old head, but yeah, nah. I just, I, I had, I just wanted to start, you know, something new. See, it looks good I on you. I actually was gonna cut my hair all the way down, but I said, nah. I just get it. Temp, I got a faded attempt in the back. You was you about to, what you, you was about to go with American History X. No, nah, man, <laughs> not 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 that crazy. <laughs> not that crazy. Oh, yeah. man. So yo, we 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 waiting, we waiting for the Black Fairy Godmother to um to join us. Thank you everybody for pulling up. Uh, so she should be with us shortly. Yo, did you guys see this week? Um, look like Elon Musk is on on, on Twitter. Man, there's there's a lot of controversy behind that. Get his name. You probably you probably got more of an insight on this than I do. I thought Elon made made the full made made the acquisition. Did he make the acquisition or was it still up in the air? I believe so. Sis is in the building. Shout out! All right, let's go. Sis is in the building, so we we resume the conversation, I guess, after the interview. Let's see. Hello. Yes. hello Good evening. Hello. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good evening. We have the black. Fairy Godmother Simone Gordon joining us. How are you this evening? Big, beautiful smile. Look at that smile. Thank you so much. And I'm surrounded by three amazing kings. So I'm blessed tonight. Appreciate that. 
Look, I have to say, I, I, I admire the work that you're doing. I think it's, it's, it's ad admirable that you would even take up this challenge, you know, and, and especially being, I think, somebody young and of color and a woman, like I, I tip my cap to you because I think that this generation needs more leaders and what you're doing demonstrates leadership in the community. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on and have a conversation with you. Thank you so much. Tell us, tell us your, um, tell us your story. How'd you become the black fairy godmother? And also how did you know that this was your calling or how did it become your calling? Well, let's be honest and, and be clear. There is systematic racism wherever you go, whether it's the East, West, South, Midwest, wherever. Systematic racism exists. Mm -hmm. um, I worked in corporate America at a Fortune 500 bank, but unfortunately, after having my child, I lost my job. Mm -hmm. So I had to get back into the feeling of the real world of going through unemployment, going through social services. And it was a shocker to me. When you go to these places, they treat you like you're this small. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're coming from an urban environment. Mm -hmm. um, at that present time when I lost my job, I found out my son was diagnosed with severe autism. Wow. So after his pediatrician provided me with the information for me to go to Children's Specialized Hospital, I kept getting a runaround for three months straight. There was no availability, no availability. Um, call many nonprofits. They tell you to call 211. Some of the numbers they give you are out of order, mm -hmm. meaning the nonprofit or the agency no longer exists or they don't want to answer the phone. And some of the big nonprofits, as we know, don't really serve our community. They just send you to a voicemail or put you on a waiting list. Mm -hmm. So I got frustrated. Um, single black mom living at home with her family. I said, listen, you know, I'm I'm responsible for my son. So I'm going to ask people on social media, where can I get help? Right. And at the time, there was um, a Facebook uh, friend at the time who said there was a group called Reparations or Offerings. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of Caucasian individuals with wealth who, who could basically assist me into getting help for my son. So I joined that group and I explained the situation. My son is severely autistic. I get $200 a week in unemployment. I'm pending with food stamps mm -hmm. and I need the pens, which is medical supplies. Can anybody help? So there were four women, one from Washington, one from Pennsylvania, another one from Manhattan, and another woman who was in California, all who come from wealth, who joined forces and said, we're going to go ahead and challenge Children's Specialized Hospital as to why a black young child is not getting the services that he needed. We're going to contact Target to get some coupons to get Depends. And then the woman, Kimberly, and her husband, who's in Washington, who were privileged, decided to take a faith on me and put me back in college. And I graduate June 3rd. That's dope. Congratulations. So that's how I be. <laughs> so I said to them, I said, while you guys are buying coach bags and Ferraris and boats, we have people in our own community struggling. So I'm battling them in the group, and they're like, well, you know, we have the Red Cross. We have the Salvation Army. And I said, our community don't see one dime. If my house was to go up in flames, my family will only get two days of stay in the worst neighborhood hotel ever mm. and not even get depends or food or whatever for my son. I said, what? so everything you guys are doing for me, all the blessings I'm getting, let me bless my community and I said can y'all join forces they start calling their friends who were with Wall Street the stock market the doctors the lawyers I said all you guys let's join a group and let's just change the world and help everybody who's marginalized mm. and within months I just went viral on Instagram and Facebook and 
that's how everybody from California, Compton, um, Miami, Chicago, Brooklyn, New York, everybody start chanting the Black Fairy Godmother of the Hood. Yeah. And I just went with it, and that's how I got all the press. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope, that's dope. So let me, let me ask you. You, you, you seem to be so resilient and the power of paying it forward. You know, how has that fashioned you to date? I mean, I mean, what can I say? Um, a lot of people are coming forward, especially a lot of women who need help. And they go, but you don't take a salary. You don't take a dime, but you get a lot of publicity. That publicity is because I want it to go straight to our community i want to make an awareness right i don't care about the dollar we have a lot of black organizers no names who is making profit off of black people's pain mm -hmm. but right. with everybody that's like in england and china we have some people in switzerland at the time we had a ukraine they're all coming on my platform donating dollars um buying off an of amazon list women who are coming out the shelters are actually getting their house furnished because of the wishless angels mm. So I just became creative with people in power and who have privilege to give back to us. And I never thought that it was going to get this big. I started 2019 with just 100 followers, and look at me now. Yeah. Listen, amazing. Man, I went on your website, and you got over 39 different ways to give. Yeah. Mind you, the list is enormous. Some of them I even, some of them took my heart, like the homeless teacher. Funny. That's like, yes. wow, this is, and it's funny because, not funny, but we had a show with a gentleman, shout out to Ozzy Oliver, out in California, about Skid Row and homeless people, man. You have electricians, doctors. Mm -hmm. I mean, you wouldn't even imagine the amount of people that are homeless that have regular jobs. Yeah. And I talk about that in every interview. Even I, I challenged Kelly Clarkson, I even said, there's probably people that's working in your studio who's a janitor and a secretary but don't have a bed to stay. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. That's yeah. a fact. Or a patient. That's a fact. They didn't like it, but, <laughs> you know. Nah, it's just the truth. You got to speak the truth, man. Truth, shame the devil. Real. Can you tell us how you uh, got on the radar of the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Let me explain to you. You never know who's watching. That's a fact. Um, you never know who's watching. During the pandemic, I raised 150000 dollars on worldwide by having everyone um who volunteers sign up for instacart accounts and to send food to families and some of the seniors didn't even want to come out their houses so we had to help pick up their prescriptions so i went global and made sure that everybody was taken care of especially our people mm. so make the long story short i started getting um calls from the, the tory birch foundation where she helped me create mm -hmm. the fairy dust scholarship program i'll talk about that later and different celebrities start chiming in and they start tagging me in different things and um one day i was home um with my son and you know how junk mail you get that plain mail um that white envelope you yeah. think it's coupons i went <laughs> to toss it and something told me to open it, and I opened it, and it was a check from Bill and Belinda Gates. Mm, wow, wow. And it helped feed and house a lot of families for the rest of 2021. We didn't have to fundraise, really. Look at that. Look at that. Go back, go back to something you, was, you were talking about um, in terms of, like, community organizers. So uh, to me, to be a community organizer, you have to be a brave and a special soul. 
it seems like in particular in our community, there's a lot of heat that people have for community organizers. Why do you think that that comes up so much in our community? Because we see a lot of community organizers and activists that are on social media and who's actually in the community just for clout waves. And what I mean for clout wave is that they will make it good, they will make it look good on media, but they're actually not pushing in and doing the work. Mm. They're just collecting the dollars and cents. Mm. Yeah. I'm more realistic. I put the receipts out there. I put the videos and the testimonials out there. Um, you know, some of them live a lavish life. So that's why a lot of com a lot of community organizers and activists they get a lot of heat because people are donating but they don't see the product. They don't see the results. Like, where are you when somebody kid is getting shot up? You will only show up if that kid is in the media real big. Mm. Right. Or what, you know, so that's the reason why community organizers get a lot, a lot of heat. And I try my best to advocate. We can't always um, think that everybody's a scammer because there's a lot of grassroots organizers who are on ground getting their feet mm and everything wet their hands their hair doing what they could do for the you know for the community the kids and also the seniors um and i had a um an interview with a um, community organizer and she was like well community organizers should be able to collect the check you're right mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you're collecting the check but what are you giving back to our people mm -hmm. there you, you go. can go and be doing ted talks with a whole bunch of caucasian people and you can get that twenty thousand dollars but at the end of the day they know what's in our history books they know what's going on mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we don't have to continue to teach them anti-racism work it's there yeah right. you can google it yeah so basically you're making a profit off of our pain so that's how i feel about it i am um... I'm, yeah. I'm in agreement. Like, I think that I do think that community organizers, if it's a full time job, they should be able to collect a paycheck. And the reason why I say that is because I think that there's a lot of criticism, in particular from our community, where people say, oh, this person is only doing it for a check. But even if they're doing it for a check and if it was that lucrative, we all know if it was that lucrative, everybody and a mom would be trying to trying yeah. to do it. I'm not saying that there's not a lot of people that are pro there are a lot of people that are profiting off of pain. There are some people that are doing the work and they deserve to be compensated, I think, as a result Correct. of doing the work. I just wonder sometimes that how come that same level of scrutiny doesn't come about for other community organizers of other race, you know, for other people. And so they could take a check off somebody and they don't have the same level of scrutiny that we are subjected to. You know, like they are hot to me, there are high levels of scrutiny. And even I would imagine you got to realize it because that's why you have such high levels of transparency. Like, let me show the bill. Let me show the receipt. Here's the testimonial from the person. You have to show all these things. I had to do it. Yeah. I had to do it because um, at the beginning, not to cut you off, I started getting a lot of heat. During the pandemic, there was a lot of Caucasian community organizers, okay? And they were getting upset because myself and two other black community organizers were making a lot of money putting it in. Because at the time, during COVID-19, our people was the one who was dying the most. Yeah, from the most. So they're like, well, where's the receipt? Where's the receipt? I said, okay, well, let me show you the receipt. Let me give you the video of Ms. Brown talking through her door, scared to come out her door because of COVID-19. So when I started doing it, others started getting on board. But I had to do it because... When other nationalities saw that our people were succeeding in helping our people, 
we got the big backlash. And I thought it, you know, I thought it would most come from our community, but it was coming from others mm. because well, they don't want us to get ahead. Boy, they don't want us to be creative. Yeah, keep you oppressed or rely that's on. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, community community organizers. We Shannon and I had an opportunity to meet a sister out in Brooklyn, and you know, one of the things that we have in our urban communities are food insecurities and food deserts. And this sister by the name of Yemi, Yemi Amu in, Bro in Bushwick, Brooklyn, has created a, a urban farm. I wanted to know, um, how did you get the corporate relationship with Instacart in regards to food? And have you ever thought about creating an urban farm in those communities? Or any community? The urban, the urban farm is actually something that I was actually going to come, up, come out with um, I am, you know, graduating with my health science degree, and I'm going to go further with having a health a health farm and also um, planting herbs and different things. So I'm going to get back to that. I'm glad you picked that up, or, or you probably read my EPK. But how I got the Instacart is during the pandemic, we were tagging them consistently, showing them that we're sending emergency food to different communities. They were, at the time of the pandemic, charging people $50 to get food delivered. Wow. And I was tagging him and I'm like, listen, people are going hungry. Why are you doing that? Right. So that's how I got the corporate relationship that they are waiving all of the fees that we're yeah. sending food to different families. And I had some people say, well, there's different food pantries and there's, you know, there's different trucks that's giving out food. But yeah. at the end of the day, people have dietary restrictions. Everybody can't eat from a can. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. That's a fact. And this gives you an opportunity to control your food. And Miss Yemi out in Brooklyn, I think it's what is it, about 2,500 square feet she has, Shanon? Yeah. And she's yep. growing everything from everything. I mean, she's even brought stuff from Nigeria that she's growing right there in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And the projects is right across the street. Yeah. And she's feeding the community. She feeds a pantry. And she's growing carrots, potatoes, peppers, cucumbers, everything nutritionally, organically. Right there in the heart of Brooklyn. I, I actually, after this is over, I will definitely send you her information. So maybe I can link. You know what I mean? Because she builds, she builds aquaponic farms. And the process of aquaponic farms, like you raise fish organically to fertilize your fruits and vegetables, and that and that symbiotic system just continues on, continues on. So she she grows fruit all all year round. You know what I mean? It doesn't stop oh, in the winter. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't stop in the wintertime. So I think the two of y'all be a, a great match with what y'all got going. So I'm going to definitely send you that information, man. For real. <clears throat> Dealing with Thank you. Well. These different regions that you contributed to, uh, do you find that certain regions are deprived more than others? Yes. And we're going to talk about that. Um, you, know, I don't know where you guys are from, but I'm from um, North New Jersey. And I've been around people in, oh, okay, North New Jersey, Brooklyn, Philly, D.C. We think that where we come from is deprived. I get a lot of Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Kentucky, yeah. Texas. When I tell you there's no resources for them, there's no resources for them. If they owe a light bill, they're just going to have to figure out a way. If you Google any nonprofits that have, you know, electricity assistance it doesn't come up in their states so that's why i decided to open up and do all marginalized communities across the u.s um it's times where 
um, they may have low income housing, but their food stamps is only $191 and a mother may have six kids. Yeah. So what I created was Amazon wishlist and target wishlist that will have dry foods and toiletries on there. And I would do quantities of six so that it will last for six months as far as the toiletries, the toilet paper, the, you know, the dry food. Right. So I strategically done that because what can you do with the $191 worth of food stamps? Yeah. And what can you do? Exactly. Mm. You know, um, we talked so far in this interview, we talked a lot about um, race, which I, I, I'm, I'm happy that we are discussing race because I do think race plays a huge factor in this. Do you believe that it's important for you to be the face of this mission? And if so, why? I believe I am, um, and well, I believe that I should be um, the most important uh, face of this mission because I lived all through my life being marginalized. Um, I dealt with living in a room with my son who's severely autistic, living in my parents' room. I shared that. Mm -hmm. um, I shared having to put pennies in the bus to get to work and having holes in my shoes. Mm -hmm. I dealt with having to walk on a highway to trace over to go to a temp job. So I know every woman and every man who's going through it. I've been there and I know that I could be the face or I am the face because I lived it. So I'm just proud that I just put it on uh, Facebook. It took me 12 years to become stabilized, but I didn't do it on my own with all the community, all the men and all the women that's surrounded around me. That's where I got to where I'm supposed to be. So I'm just trying to build our community up where we have to show some accountability, uh, you know, amongst each other, even though there are privileged people out there that have money that can help, but we have to be accountable for each other and ourselves so that we can go forward yeah. because they're always going to try to bring us down. Yeah. And I, but no, what I, can we do to help ourselves? Yeah, I, I That's right. appreciate that, but That's right. I think you are the perfect person for this mission based on me reading up on you and just seeing like the things that you had to endure that I think that this is one of the occasions where lived experience has a, a substantial amount of value. You know, I was watching a story on the news the other day and they were, um, they were talking about homelessness in New York City and the increase in homelessness. And on the task force, they had a gentleman that has been homeless for many years. And he talked about how him and his son was couch surfing. Um, and they were asking him like specific questions and you could tell that he had far more insight into how to eradicate homelessness than a, than a, a professional may have had based on his lived experience. So mm -hmm. the fact that you have this lived experience, I think it only just, it just enhances your ability to do this work. Yeah, I'm eight years strong, <laughs> eight years strong doing this work um, across the U.S. And I'm just going to continue to do it. Um, I, You know, with my team of volunteers, we think of creative ways to make people um, eat. Um, we also have a 90-day program where a lot of families join our 90-day program of stability. Um, we have realtors um, who can assist a lot of mothers who are unable to get apartments because of whether they're felons or um, whether they have um, bad credit. We have some real estate agents that are in different states that helps try to build a try to build a relationship with private landlords to house some of these moms. 
And if you go on my Instagram, you can see some of the moms posting videos of their new places or the yeah. or the key to their apartment and their leases because, you know, it took them a long time to get out of the shelter or stay at the extended stay. There's many people living in hotels right now just to get by so that they won't sleep on a bench. That's a fact. And, I, and I'm glad you used the word stability because I, I read your mission statement where you're restoring the stability of family to remove barriers in black and brown families. There's a quick little quote that I found or a little, little stat that I found while researching you. you know, between 1890 and 1960, black marriage rate was 80 to 85 percent. For 70 years, 80 to 85 percent, right up until the 60s. And right after the 70s and 80s came, it just started to drop. Now, the black marriage rate or the family put together is at 27 percent. So what you're doing, I mean, it's very much needed. Um, but we can get back to that, I believe. I think we can get back to at least 50% of marriages, 50% of families leaving stable lives and helping one another. I think that's where it is in our value system about one another. We need to value one another so we can support one another and then we can live the way we want to live. Mm. Let me ask you this. Um, talk about grandma a little bit. And the impact and and the impact she left on you in her presence. Let me explain something to you. My grandmother was one of a kind, and I know we all had those black grandmothers, right? That's right. Um, my grandmother was strong. She worked all her life, um, helping the privileged, and she wanted what was best for her children and her grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Um, when I had my son and. He was going through his health issues. She didn't want to hear any excuses on why I couldn't be a mother or be the woman that I am today. Um, she told me, um, I said, well, the doctor said he would never eat or walk again. She said, just because you're reading a book don't mean that you got and don't mean that you're smart. Later on, my son, my son was able to walk. Um, she taught me how to cook. She taught me how to be a woman alongside with my mom. But um, the day that my grandmother passed away, I was going to a um, a program at Bloomfield College to be an LPN. I was taking a test. And an hour um, before the test started, my dad called me and told me that my grandmother had um, passed away. So that's why I went ahead and I... Um, I went ahead and I left the test, which I shouldn't have. And um, she passed away instantly. So I owe my degree that I'm getting June 3rd to her because she never wanted me to give up. You know, my grandmother gave out to everybody. She had 15 children. So everybody in the community used to come to her house to eat out of those big silver pots. You know those big silver pots your grandmother's family sold? <laughs> And everybody ate you, and some. <laughs> everybody ate out of there. Everybody on the street, right? She used to make the sandwiches. You will not leave her house empty-handed. That's a fact. And that's where I come from. And that's where I come from. And um, a lot of people say I look like her. I'm taking on the torch that many of our ancestors um, have left behind. Right. And I just want to make grandma and our ancestors proud as possible. They fought for us. Mm. And... Um, I just don't want to disappoint them. I want to bring back everything that the 60s and 70s, including the 80s yeah. and the early 90s, what we had. And I think we lost that. I think because the technology and TV changed, 
it changed a lot of people's mind frame as well. And and the system and the systemic racism is 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 as well. Um, yeah, that that played a large part, man. Because even even in what I quoted about the marriage rate, you know, we have seventy two percent of babies being born by single with single mothers. There's no fathers, you know, and that and that's that true. and that and that in itself is you know is a dichotomy of just you know not a healthy family structure for a child when raising them. But what you're doing with young sisters is at least getting them started and feeling self-sufficient about themselves. Keyword. You know, it comes, it, it, yeah, it comes from it comes from you first, man. You know, one of the laws I learned was self-savior. You are your savior. Now we can talk about religion and all that stuff, but you have to still do the work. Yeah. You know, we can because pray. I gave birth alone. I gave birth with the emergency section alone. So when a lot of these young ladies come to me, you know, and tell me about their stories, right. I said, hear my right. stories. And they go, wow, you did all of that in the past 12 years. I said, yes. Mm. So let me teach you how do you can be strong and move forward. I have a young lady right now who's in Baldwin Hills, opened her own first black nail salon. Yeah, that's dope. For being a part of my platform. So yeah, there's ways. Authentically, Diamond says, I'm so proud of you, sis. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank now, you. Just to, piggyback on what, just to piggyback on uh, what we uh, briefly discussed as far as with single moms, what do you think? What, what do you think is the major or one of the major fact or several factors of the misconception of why women stay with their uh, whether husband or significant other uh, when they verbally and physically abuse them? What's like the what, what? What do you think is the biggest misconception with that? self-esteem um lack of resources also not just the lack of resources the lack of support within our families you know sometimes in our families um i don't know what you guys families the dynamic is but there are certain um families within our community that just don't care they don't want to get involved they don't want to help um christina or tina get out of a domestic violence situation. And even if Christina or Tina was to try, if she was to go to a shelter, do you know automatically they call DIFAS or Child yeah. Protective Services on the woman? Yeah. So it's like you're running to get help, but it's like, damn, if you do, damn, if you don't, that they're going to take my kids. And that's the only thing I have. Mm. So, you know, that's why um, people go, well, you can go to shelters. A lot of women can't. So on my platform with domestic violence, we don't put the women in shelters. We put them in Airbnbs and we have a um we that? have a program with extended stay. And depending on how severe the situation is, we always put them in Airbnbs for safety. Mm -hmm. And we put them up for ninety days. We'll fundraise the money on our social media or if funding is available, put them in an Airbnb and for ninety days we work on a program with a realtor, we work with certain people, um, to get them, you know, um Amazon list. We also try to see if there's any community college that have a focus center that have a trade where they could get within those 90 days or six months or more. So people don't understand. Even though you go for help, there's always a trick where they're trying to put you down. So that's why some women just stated like, well, I might as well stay anyway. Right. I had a strong, I had a father that was raised in the 60s and he didn't play that. So that's how I was blessed enough to get out of my situation and say, no more, I'm not going to be used emotionally and financially. 
and I went on with my life, but everybody don't have that. So I try my best to give that to women by some of the volunteers that's on the platform who can help them along the way. Yeah. And it was it's a trauma. Many, many people, there was, there was, many, many people don't shot. know that the, um, that the Black Panthers were started from a food program, mm -hmm. from providing food programs and being a grassroots organization. And, and here you are. I think um, what happens, though, sometimes is, you know, when you're doing these, these kind of things and you have these efforts and you get notoriety, sometimes the corporations find, find their way to you and they want to be of a support. But I think also when you invite the corporations in, it sometimes can lead, if you don't manage it appropriately, to a mission creep where other people's agenda have been intertwined into whatever your mission is. So my question to you with, you know, the notoriety that you're getting and taking off and you've built this so such a strong grassroots operation, how do you stay on mission without, I'm sure the corporations are around the corner, like, come on, partner with us, let us help you out. All money and good money. And Let's I have a good again. friend. Say that one more time. All money and good money. Um, excuse me for my language on your podcast, but I'm not whitewashed. Um, it's, it's a lot of corporations, let's be honest. But I have a friend um, who is dear to my heart. His name is Shaka Zulu, and he, he is a part of the leading Black Panthers Party in North New Jersey. And they do a food reentry program every Saturday in North New Jersey. And Black Panthers started that years and years ago. Yep. And he taught me to be very, very careful of what money I'm accepting. Um, you know, a corporation could give you $100,000, but what's the, you know, but what's the what's gimmick on that? Yep. Yeah, we're straight to attached yeah. to that money. <laughs> That's right. And when my lawyer and when my lawyer reads it, he goes to my I don't think that this is a good fit. They you know, they want something in return. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that could be a backlash because if you're giving me money, you're not gonna tell me what to do with it or what type of food I'm gonna give somebody or what type of brand of food or if I can't um buy a child a laptop so that they could study at home because they're scared to go to the library because, you know, um, certain things happen in the neighborhood where they just can't. So you can't do that. So sometimes with a lot of partnerships, I do honestly back away. But then there are some good corporations who are for the Black-led organizations and they're willing to assist and tell us, do it where it's most needed. And those type of corporations is where I do work with. Yeah. You know, the, um, sometimes like the, some of the organizations we have, they start with good intentions and then they lose themselves because they compromise their integrity for, um, for the check. I do think there are organizations and corporations that you partner with and they give you the money and they, they see what you're doing and they're like, here's the money, do more of it. And there's also scrutiny around that because people believe that when money is handed over, there should be checks and balances but I do believe that if you vetted an organization or vetted a person well enough, then sometimes those restrictions that put in place end up becoming barriers to prevent people from actually getting the money. You know, like if your criteria right now, and, I'm, and we'll talk a little bit later about what your criteria is. If your criteria right now is a person has to just produce a bill and you've put that in place, that's a very easy process for a person to get assistance. But if somebody else puts in another process and says, well, we given this money, but in, in order for us to give this money, we need the landlord to do this. We need this. We need that. There has to be notarized. Uh, notarized. There has to be all these notarized letter. And I don't put people through that. Yeah. I don't put people.